Well, one thing that's been very present with me this morning and, and even late last night meditation was how simple it is to get distracted by things in this world and how addicted we are to them and how this path is really about letting go of those addictions and those distractions and ever bringing ourselves present to the truth of who we really are and living more from that place of the truth. And as I was looking at last night in my meditation and again this morning as I was moving through my meditation again and then starting the day, I was paying very close attention to some of my own distractions that I have in the world. And it's, it's very interesting. Sometimes the distractions can be very, very subtle and so old within our consciousness that we don't realize that they're distractions. We don't realize that they're habit patterns. We have just assumed that this is how we do our life. And so I began, as I was moving through the morning, starting my day, to write down all the things that all of a sudden I was aware of that was a distraction, that was something calling me outside of myself that I hadn't really given much attention to. And it was quite amazing, all the different things that I would begin to allow myself to be attracted into, to get caught up into, to be pulled out away from my center and into this realm of creation. And it made me very aware that no matter how much I talk about it, how much we hear about staying centered, staying neutral, staying focused inside, that we are going to have those things in the world that will call at us, that we do need to answer to, and it's learning to bring loving into all of that and not make it something that is separate. And I realized in my conversation this weekend with a couple of people that they had begun to move into this place of right and wrong in this action of focus, of holding your attention inside, of staying centered, of staying neutral, and that when they weren't, then they were doing something wrong and that they were placing a judgment on themselves. And I realized as I was moving through my morning and I was beginning to write all these things down that it's very important that we be aware of who we truly are as the loving essence of the Lord and that if we allow ourselves to be responsible in all of our actions, in our existence, in our experience, then we want to bring loving into everything that we are participating in. And it's just a choice as to how we are going to participate and what we are going to participate in. And there are things in this world at the physical level that we just are to do, that we need to do, that we are wanting to bring our loving into that expression and not put a judgment on it. So as I was moving through the day, I realized how many little things call at me, pull at me, tug at me, to look over here, to get this done. What about me? Don't forget me. And as I began to feel all this going on, and I could feel my consciousness beginning to kind of split and be distracted into all these different areas of things to pay attention to and to get fulfilled, I began to feel myself beginning to be disturbed and stressed and put upon. These were little things, but yet I could feel myself feeling this, this pressure inside, building up of the have-tos of life. And I sat down for a moment and I said, wait a minute, I do want to get these things done. These are important to me at this level. So what do I do? Do I just ignore them? Do I avoid them? Do I run away from them? Do I turn away and, and pretend like they don't exist? Or do I go into them and, and, and handle them in, in, in a different way? And instantly I heard a statement inside of me. I and the Father are one. And I realized in that moment that that was my own soul speaking, saying that the soul, the divine in each of us, is one in God. And what is God but loving? And what is God wanting to do but ever move and express that loving? throughout all of creation. And so I realized that the God within me, that divine loving movement in me, wants to share itself into all levels of my creation, into all levels of my experience. And so I got up, 
And I began to move throughout all these things, paying attention to bringing loving to everything that I was going to do, that I was going to be responsible in action with. And as I did that, it was very interesting to watch how the loving assisted me in clearing things up and answering things inside, saying, you know, this is already done. We don't need to be doing this anymore. This is now habit. We're doing habit. We're not doing necessity. So let's let go of that and move on. And, and I could just feel the loving, just let it go. And then I realized something as I did that, in that awareness of watching the loving, just letting go of this old habit pattern, just letting it dissolve, letting it melt away, that another part of me at the physical level wanted to bring it back because it was in habit. It was used to doing this routine. And then I realized I just had a choice. Do I want to let go of it now? Do I want to dismiss it into loving and move further into freedom? Or do I want to reform it, restructure it, and continue living that habit pattern? It was fine either way. I was going to learn from either experience. So I let it dissolve. I just let it go. I said, nope, you know, I don't want to do that. That's not who I am. No longer am I doing that routine, that pattern. And so as I continued moving through the day, I finally got out into the garage. And as I opened the garage door, there were all these deer waiting for their corn. <laughs> and I realized that what I had just been doing inside, I was now getting to witness out here. All these deer were there out of habit. They were there out of a habit pattern of expectation, of need, of want. And so I stood there for a moment. I thought, you know, I'm not going to do what I normally do. I normally talk to them. I normally, as I talk to them, I go to the door and I open the door where the corn stored and I start getting the corn out and I continue talking to them and I go out and I put the corn and, and then I watch them for a while. So instead, I just stood there. I did nothing. And I watched the movement inside of them just as I watched the movement inside of me in the house earlier with my own habit pattern. And they looked at me and they watched. And then when I didn't move, they assumed maybe I, didn't, I wasn't there. I don't know what they thought. But all of a sudden they started looking around the garage like, well, where did he go? Why isn't he moving? Why isn't that door opening up? You know, and one of the, the, the fawns, uh, the older fawns came down and the mother came down and stood right at the entrance of the garage and just kept staring at me like, hello, we're here. <laughs> and I realized that what I had just witnessed inside with my own nature inside was now confronting me out here. That just as I went into my own stillness and then I had all these things from within me in the world coming up at me, calling at me, hello, I'm here, feed me, do this, get this done. Now I had a living example of the energy in the world in these deer coming up, trying to say, hello, feed me, hello, are you there? Do you know we're here? You know, do something, move the energy. And it was so funny because I just stood there perfectly still for quite a while. And then I thought, okay, now let's see what happens. And so I moved and they jumped. <laughs> and the other deer was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Three more came down and stood next to the others. And I went over and I opened the door and then I just stood there for a while. And as I got still, they kind of started staring at me again and looking around trying to find me, like, where did he go and why isn't something coming out of that room now? And, and then one deer came up closer and closer to the door, like looking in, like around me, <laughs> trying to see, can we get in there and get some corn? <laughs> and I just realized how much the patterns of this world are just like that, that we can stay still, we can get in our centeredness, in our loving, and be perfectly still, but the world, the patterns are still going to come up to us, come right up to our feet, come in and try to pull us out if it can. And so I began to reach down and, and fill the corn, and my old habit pattern is to talk to them, to start talking to them so that they'll stay centered with me as I try to feed them, they don't run away and all that. And I thought, no. You know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay focused on my own self and my own loving and stay still and neutral inside, even if my body isn't still. And so I walked out 
with the corn in my stillness, not saying a thing, and just moving slowly. And they didn't know what to do with me because it wasn't my voice. My voice usually lets them know who I am, and they calm down. Now, some of them were running off like, oh, my God, what is this? What's going on? Others came closer because they were trying to get to the corn because I was going too slow. And so finally I poured the corn out, and I just stood there. I didn't move. Usually I would step back into the garage and let them then eat. So I just I poured the corn out, and I stood right at the end of the row and didn't move. And they're looking at me like, go away. <laughs> You've done your part now. Go away. <laughs> And that's just like the world. It's just like the world. We feed a habit pattern. We feed something that is calling us into the world. And then it says, okay, you can go away right now. We'll call you back when we need you again. And so I learned a lot about my own patterning. And that patterning can be about desire, greed, lust, all these different elements of our own nature that drive us inside that call us into this world to get caught up in it. And so I began to look and watch as I began to drive the car, even coming here, and even how I came into the building, and began to see how could I become even more aware of loving in everything that I do, just in putting the key into the door to unlock it, and loving, opening the door and moving into this building and loving, and letting my loving go before me rather than all the things that are habit or distraction or expectation or need that often run me, that often push me, that often cause me to hurry to try to get all these things done. So I would invite you to begin to pay more attention to your own daily routine. From the moment you wake up in the morning, before you even get out of bed, what is stirring inside of you? What is calling at you? What is pushing at you? Well, maybe it's to get to the bathroom. But pay attention to that. Pay attention to all the things, physical, emotional, mental, everything that is going on inside of you. But pay attention to it from that place of your own loving. And let your loving be expressed into all of it. Don't put judgment, don't put fear, don't put separation on any of it with you, but rather bring your loving into it, invite your loving into everything that you do, everything, so that it begins to work with you, for you, to your fulfillment, rather than calling you away from your fulfillment, away from your sinfulness, away from your loving. And I find that for myself in meditation, that's something I do in my meditation almost automatically. I've, I've trained myself, if you will, into that routine, which is a very beneficial routine of is the moment I close my eyes is holding my attention at the seat of the soul and giving my awareness to God. And anything and all things that are of this world that begin to pull at me, I just let them go. I just let them go knowing that right now this is my time with God. And now I'm going to make a new challenge for myself, and that is to do everything in my eyes open state as well as my eyes closed state in that same action of everything is in oneness with God. Everything is an expression with God. Everything is in the movement of loving. Everything. And see if that doesn't begin to take some of the pressure and the concern and the fear and the distress, the distraction, off by changing the frequency of my action. I have found these last three weeks that a lot of, of clear focus has come into my life as to who I am, what I'm here to do. And one of the things that a spiritual teacher is here to do is to bring the flock that they are here to serve back into awareness, back into those green pastures of the realms of spirit, back into oneness with themselves so that they and the Father are truly one and that they know that consciously and that they are living it consciously every day of their lives. Now, when I say that, it doesn't mean that you are going to live 365 days a year 
every minute, every second, aware of God in everything you're doing. But there is going to be that part of you that is going to be inviting God in, and you're going to be aware of God in motion, in action with you. Even if you're in reaction, there's going to be a part of you that's going to be in a better place, a neutral place, where even in the midst of the reaction, you're going, whoop, I'm in reaction. I can see it. I can feel it. There I go. I'm going further into it. But there will be a part of you that will not have joined in. And that will be your soul. And that will be letting you know that you're now living from a different place of awareness than you've lived in the past. Where before you've fallen into this creation and got caught up in those elements of this creation, whether it be emotion, mind, or body, now you're living more in that place of neutrality, of loving, of soul. And you're finding yourself participating, of moving, of being called into the world, but there's still that part of you that resides now in neutrality, in loving. And you begin to do things differently. You begin to live more in action than reaction. You begin to take more responsibility for your thoughts and your feelings. And everything begins to come centered and aligned. And then you move through life with a greater sense of ease and grace than you did before. And the biggest challenge then for you might be what I found for myself. And that is not to let yourself get caught back up in those old ways, in those old patterns but rather to keep choosing back into the new until the new is who you are and how you live your life. It's moving into simplicity. It's moving into quiet. It's moving into gentleness. It's really be gentle with yourself. Be gentle with who you are on all levels. And in that action, it also means then taking responsibility for yourself. Taking responsibility for how you handle your physical, your emotional, your mental, and your spiritual self. I have found that as I've gotten older, I've had a few things going on with my body that have distracted me, have called me to slow down, to do things differently. And I haven't liked that. I haven't liked it one bit. And I've tried my best to just push my way through it to ignore it and to keep doing what I was doing 20 years ago and handle things the way I did then, energetically, vibrantly pushing my way through things. Well, now I realize I do not want to push my way through things. I'll move through them if I can, but I'm going to keep moving. But maybe my movement is different than it was 20 years ago. And as I've realized the difference and I've realized this action, and I've allowed myself to move into this space of who I am now, my life has become more grace-filled and simple and easy than it was when I was trying to stay as I was in the past. And you might want to begin to look at your own lives and see if you are doing that too. Are you continuing to live life the way you did 20 years ago? trying to be who you were 20 years ago, trying to fulfill whatever it was you were trying to fulfill 20 years ago? Or are you truly living in this present moment? If we truly want to know God, if we really want to have experience and awareness of ourselves as soul, as loving, if we really want to wake up in the realms of spirit, and have inner experience of the divinity that we are and the divinity of all things. We really want to begin to pay attention and find a way to move into the quiet, into the peace, into the stillness. We first connect to it not by having our eyes open and being involved in the world. We connect to that place of stillness by going inside and finding it within us in meditation. Be still and know that I am God. 
Be still and hear the still small voice within. Be still. So it's in that stillness that we begin to discover the greater truth, the truth of truths, of who we are. And in that same action, as we move into the stillness, we also begin to let go of all those things that have ever called us away from our stillness, away from our centeredness, away from our loving. And it's wonderful as you sit in that stillness and you begin to be aware of it and you begin to merge into it more and more and you begin to see those things dropping away from you that aren't really you but that you've identified yourself as you and you begin to feel the peace, the harmony, the joy that is the loving essence that is you beginning to manifest itself, express itself, move itself with greater freedom than ever before. And it's then, with that awareness, that you can open your eyes and bring that same stillness and that same action of your divine self into all that you do. But the one thing that I've also found for myself, and I'll tell you, a spiritual teacher has inner awareness, inner connection, inner knowing, and is here to share that with the disciples, with the flock, so that they begin to find for themselves that same inner knowing, that inner connection, that inner peace. But the teacher, as long as they're in the physical form, is still going through the same process that everyone that is a disciple they go through it for many reasons. One, because it keeps them humble. It doesn't allow them to begin to believe themselves better than others. Two, a spiritual teacher needs something in this world called karmas, called unlearned lessons, that they have to have going on in their own self so that their soul can stay anchored to a physical form. The moment that the lessons are learned, the soul withdraws from the body. It can't stay in the physical because there's nothing here to hold it to. So the teacher even has unlearned lessons that they hold on to with conscious awareness. And they know that those lessons, even though they know the answer to them, they have to leave them unlearned and allow them just to run and run and run and run and run inside of them so that they have reason to stay in the physical form. So it allows the teacher to ever stay in the movement of learning, in the movement of experience, just as the disciples are, and to help them stay present with their own process, their own challenges, their own inner stirring and awakening, so that the teacher can ever stay in partnership with the disciple, walking hand in hand, side by side, upon this path together. And I have found for myself, more recently than ever, the joy in that. The joy in knowing that my role is to be here in this world with those that I'm here to assist to give them answer, to give them understanding, to give them clarity. But more than any of that, it's just to be in the loving with you. To be in the loving and to live in that loving together. And more and more I see that manifesting as people take personal responsibility for their lives. More and more people are beginning to step up and say, I will do it myself. I'm going to be responsible for my actions and my reactions, my thoughts and my feelings. And as they do that, they begin to fulfill the greater expression of their loving. They begin to manifest and live the truer essence of their own soul. And then we join into yet a greater harmony, teacher-disciple and we as a family, a spiritual family. 
and things do become simpler and quieter within ourselves and within our community. And we do begin to see who we are as a spiritual family. I've also found that as a spiritual teacher, it is true that not one soul will be lost. And the beauty of that statement that I know from within myself is not one soul will be lost because no one ever has been lost. It's just believing in the illusion of being lost that one has gotten caught up in. But it isn't truly being in that state of lost. So my role as a spiritual teacher isn't here to gather the lost souls and bring them home. But it is to remind souls that feel that they are lost, that they are forgotten, that God doesn't care, to let you know that you're living an illusion. And if you feel lost, if you feel separated, if you feel judged, to begin to do things differently, to begin to speak to yourself differently, to create a new voice inside of you that begins to allow you to wake up and to be the truth of who you are and not chase after the illusion that you've created for yourself called separation. We all have that voice that runs inside of us, all of us. Now, if we're lucky, that voice that runs inside of us is that still small voice within of God ever saying, I'm loving you and you're loving me and we are one. And in oneness we go and fulfill all that we are here to do. And in that fulfillment we are ever one and ever in union in spirit. But more than likely, that voice that's running inside isn't so still and isn't so small. It's loud and it's cruel at times, telling us about ourselves, about how inefficient, ineffective, how incapable, how unloving, how or whatever it says inside of us that runs and runs and runs to keep us feeling separate, unworthy, that keeps us feeling caught up in this world and looking out into this world for answer, for fulfillment, for solution. That voice isn't the still small voice of God. That is the voice of the Lord of this creation speaking to the ego. And the ego yells to stay in authority. The ego demands to be the source of power. And the Lord of this creation speaks to the ego just as God speaks to our soul. So it's for us to begin to realize that we might be chasing after the voice that is ever speaking to our ego mind. And we just need to begin to refocus our attention, our awareness and to begin to listen to that quiet voice within rather than that loud voice of the ego. Listen to that quiet voice that speaks from, the own, from our own soul that is God speaking at the very center of our being. And believe me, there's a difference in its expression and demonstration. The voice of the ego is judgmental, is separating, it's unworthy, it's demanding, it's expecting, and it is ever unfulfilled. No matter what you do to answer it, no matter what you do to fulfill it, it goes, that's not enough, I need more. That's not enough answer, that's not enough action, that's not enough reaction, more, more. Have you ever sat at a table and the food is bountiful and you fill your plate up to overflowing because you want it all? You want it all. And you eat 
And after about 10, 15, 20 bites, you're going, oh my God, I'm stuffed. Why did I get all this food? What in the world possessed me to get all this food? I can't eat all this. I know I can't eat all this. I knew it when I was getting it. But I got it anyway. And then you sit there in guilt, in shame, like, oh my God, I got to eat all this. How am I going to do this? I don't want to embarrass them. I don't want to make them feel like I don't like the food. And yet, you've only eaten one-third of the plate. And there's this other voice inside of you that knows very simply why you did it. It's because the ego was pushing at you. i got to have it all. Oh, my God, yes, yes, oh, yes, and then more and more. No, that's not enough, even more. That's the way the ego works. It works with money. It works with possessions in this world. It works with responsibility. It works with relationships. It works with sexual desires. It works with all of it. We want more. We may have the perfect partner in our life, but we're always looking out there going, well, I wonder if that one's better. I wonder if they would even be better for me. You know, I, this is really great. I can't complain. But yeah, maybe, maybe I should just go test the waters over there and see. You know, I've got $30 million in the bank account, but that's not enough. They've got $300 million, so I've got to work harder. I've got to, I've got to match what they've got. Or whatever it might be. I remember years ago when... I had just gotten out of high school and I had all these friends going to college and university and they were working towards their degrees and talking with them and listening to them and how they were struggling to get their degree or how easy it was for them to get certain degrees. And then they were going to go on and get more degrees because they felt like they needed more in order to really make it in the world. And then they had to get more in order to really qualify to certain positions in the world and so on. And they have all these certificates hanging on their wall now and yet you listen to them talking and they're not happy. They're still not fulfilled and they're going, well, I've got all the doctorates, I, I, there's nothing else to get. And I'm still not happy. What's going on here? And yet, like the still small voice, I say today what I did when I was 18, 19, 20 years old, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know the truth of who you really are. And then let the stillness fulfill you. And from that place of fulfillment that is the stillness, let the universe join in that fulfillment to fulfill you in this creation rather than you go into this creation to fulfill yourself. And that's what really can happen. When you begin to fulfill the truth of who you are as divine, as living love, the things of all creation, even at this level, will begin to work with you, will begin to serve you, begin to move with you into fulfillment. And yes, there still will be things, because that's how this world works, that you have to be responsible to, that you have to fulfill, that you have to manifest in this level to get all those things. But they come with ease, they come with grace, they come with simplicity, rather than the difficulty, the challenge, the hardship. It's just a different way of being. I guess another way to look at it is that you can either plow your way through the world trying to get what you want, or you can move through the world and allow the world to bring to you what it will. And you'll be surprised the difference. There's no effort in being and moving and allowing. But there's great effort in forcing your way through this creation to get what you want. It's great effort. And it can be pretty painful to be in that place of force, of expectation, of having to build and hold this powerful modality of self to make things happen in your life. That's the struggle of the ego and this world. And that's the power of the ego holding on to the soul, distracting the soul, trapping the soul into this creation. Be in the world but not of the world. 
a great teacher said 2,000 years ago. And that statement has been said by so many teachers throughout all the centuries. Be in it, not of it. To be in it is to know yourself as divine, to live in that divinity that is loving, and to move throughout all of your creations in this world in loving, and see what happens in that movement of loving that didn't happen before. You will see the universe around you bow to the loving, respond to the loving, acknowledge the loving, and it will lay before your feet those things that it has to offer you. Now, you might say, yeah, but I want it to lay gold and power and influence and all these things at my feet. That's what I want. But that may not be what the universe has to offer you. Maybe the universe has to offer a divine child of God fulfillment of the lessons that it came here to learn, an understanding of the power of the creative soul and its expression of loving and creativity merged together in oneness with awareness to manifest its fulfillment. It isn't about the things of this world. It is about the fulfillment of the soul that came into this world to come into a greater understanding of its own true nature, loving, and the expression of that nature through creativity. And when you stand in a greater presence of self and begin to move through this creation in that presence of self, you will find that the universe will lay before you the opportunities for you to fulfill what you came in to fulfill. You will see the answers to all of your questions. You will find the solution to all of your disturbance. Just laid at your feet. But what will be there in the midst of all that is the universe will tell you you're responsible for your actions and your reactions. And it's for you to change whatever you don't like about yourself. It's for you to change whatever you don't like about your creation that you live within. It's your responsibility to fulfill yourself. The universe isn't here to fulfill you. The universe at this level of creation, the physical universe, is here as a school for you to learn from. And we have all this as a great teacher ever demonstrating the lessons that we are here to learn, ever demonstrating to us that if we put our hands in the fire, we're going to burn ourselves. If we jump off a high cliff, our body probably isn't going to survive it. But if we take responsibility and pay attention, we can use that fire for the good of ourselves and others and do no harm. And we can walk right up to the edge of the cliff and look down and observe what's there below and then see if we want to make our way down there to participate or move on to something else because that's not where we need to be. And so it's for us to begin to take action in a way that maybe we haven't before, as responsible souls, as responsible beings, and not expect anything from this world, and not expect anything from other people. There are those in the world that walk through this world today expecting the world to give everything to them, expecting everyone to do everything for them, And then they get disappointed, they get upset, and they get hurt. And then they go out and they hurt others because I'm not getting what I want, so I'm going to get your attention. I would invite you to look and see in your own life, are you being responsible for your actions and reactions, your thoughts and your feelings? How many times do I say that over and over and over? Why do I say it over and over and over? Because we need to ever be present of it. That's the key to our liberation. 
There are certain things that if we want to be a liberated soul, if we truly do want to wake up and know God, each day in our meditation and on that last day when we take our last breath in the physical form and truly wake up into the realms of spirit, not for the first time, but for the next time, and go on, that we can do it consciously as a liberated soul, not being distracted back into this creation. And it's important to be aware of then that if that's what we want, then these things are the things that do allow us to step free of this creation. And the moment we begin to truly take responsibility and take action and not be in a state of irresponsibility, expectation, need, want, and not in a state of reaction, then we begin to walk free. Then we begin to find ourselves moving through this world more gently, more easily, and the world responds to us in that way. So pay attention to your actions and be aware of your reactions and do what you can to bring yourself back into action in every given moment. What is action? It's very interesting because oftentimes we talk about neutrality, of moving into that place of centeredness, of neutrality, of loving. And oftentimes people think of neutrality as doing nothing moving into that place where nothingness exists, into the quiet. But in truth, in that place of centeredness is the greatest action that is taking place, that is loving. And if we are moving in loving, we are ever going to be in action. And action is awareness. Action is doing. Action is fulfilling. And what is it fulfilling? It's fulfilling loving. And what is that? It's manifesting, it's demonstrating, it's being loving. And then we do in choice. We move that loving in, in ways of choice. Where can I best move this loving to its fulfillment? It might be in allowing others to do their lives the way they want to do it. It might be in not judging others. It might be in not judging myself. It might be in stepping through my fears and loving and allowing those fears to dissolve so that I no longer have that as a barrier upon this pathway. It might be begin to believe in myself in a loving way, trusting in myself in a loving action so that I can begin to truly manifest that loving to the fullness. The world today is demonstrating one thing, and that is the darkness that is of the ego. We are seeing more and more in the world the ego driving the consciousness of man, calling man out into creation, into itself, into its frustration, its anger, and we're seeing the demonstrations of all of that. Anytime we are drawn away from our centeredness, called away from it, distracted out into this creation, we are moving into the darkness. We are moving into the shadows. This truly is the valley of shadows that David spoke of. We have come out of the realms of pure spirit, out of the light, and into the shadow into the valley of shadows to have experience here. And the key is for us, if we want to get out of the valley of shadows, is to stop looking at the shadows, stop believing in the shadows, stop following after the shadows, and to begin to look once again to that source of light within. 
No longer look outside yourself for the answer or solution. Don't look to the darkness for the light, because the light isn't in the darkness. But we can bring the light into the darkness if we are living the light. But first we must find that place where the light does dwell, where it does reside, and begin to bring it into the darkness within ourselves, and then into this valley of shadows as best we can. But also, one thing I want to remind you is you did not come here to change this world. You didn't even come here to change yourself. You just came here into this creation in order to learn more about yourself as divine, as soul, to learn about the manifestation of your loving and to experience that manifestation of loving through your creative action. It has nothing to do with saving this planet, saving the animals, saving your neighbor, or even saving this body. It's not even about saving your soul, because there's nothing to save. Your soul is in God right now. Your soul is in the realms of spirit right now. So what is there to save? It's just wake up and know that to be true. There's not one spiritual teacher that ever came into this world to be your savior, to be your salvation. Because they knew and they know that they are not your salvation. They can't bring you to God, but they can assist you in your walk home to God. They can't force you into the realms of soul and wake you up there but they can assist you in your journey of awakening so that you yourself will know the truth of who you are. So be aware that if you're looking for a savior, a savior in the world or a savior of your own soul, that the only savior that there really is is you. And it's up to you to do the work of salvation called awakening to the divinity that is you for you to be saved. And what is to be saved? It is to wake up. It is to know the truth, not to believe and chase after the illusion. And it's all those things that I've just talked about today. That is being saved, being responsible, being aware, being focused in your actions, in your movement, in your expression. There's two prayers that I've always loved in my life. One is the Lord's Prayer, which we've gone over and over and over and over. And the other is the prayer that St. Francis shared with us so long ago. And it's a very interesting prayer, and I had it somewhere, but I've lost it now. I had a piece of paper. I don't know where it went. Hmm. Go see if it's up there. I thought I brought it back, but I guess I didn't. I got kind of called away when I was doing the, all the chairs. Yeah, there it is. It's, pardon? I've got it right here. I'll share it with you. Now, this prayer was written by St. Francis after he achieved something most profound. The prayers and the songs that he sung and said, inwardly and outwardly, were very different from this prayer. The prayers before this one were prayers asking of God, wanting of God, but also sharing about awareness of a particular movement of spirit. But this prayer takes place after something that happened to him that was most profound and has happened to all those that have been initiated on the path of sound and light. 
Because this prayer really is a statement of awareness of who we are as divine and what it is to wake up and to know that. So I'm going to read it to you and then we'll go over it just a little bit. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in the giving that we receive. It is in the pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in the dying that we are born to eternal life. Now it's interesting. This prayer is read in many different places around the world. Christian, Muslim, Jew. In different ceremonies because it's a statement of truth. It's a statement that the soul responds to and hears. It's not a statement of a particular faith, practice. It is a true statement of the soul. But if you listen to it, and you listen to it carefully, it's not about your relationship with the world. It's about your relationship with yourself. It's about you beginning to have relationship with your own soul. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred inside, let me sow love. Where there is injury that I have done unto myself, such as judgment, pardon. Where there is doubt that I allow to manifest and I run, faith. Where there is despair that I live in and continue to feed, hope. Where there is darkness that I believe and I chase after in, light. Where there is sadness that I moan and groan about, Joy, O Divine Master, grant that I may not seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in the giving that we receive. It is in the giving to the Lord that we receive and that we awaken. And then we can share and give unto the Lord in all, and receive their loving as well. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying the little death daily in our meditation and waking up to the greater truth within that we are born to eternal life. It's a very, very, very powerful prayer, but it really is not a prayer into the world so much as it is a prayer of awakening. It is a prayer of reminding ourselves of who we really are and what it is we are to do. We are to find that place of peace inside. Make me an instrument of your peace. We are to find and sow love within ourselves, to bring forth pardon where we have judgment, to begin to live and choose into faith, hope, to know ourselves to be eternal light, to live in the joy of our own soul, to seek, to understand, to console, to console ourselves, to love ourselves, to forgive ourselves, to honor ourselves, to move into understanding with ourselves. Not so much to mentally understand, but to understand our nature, to understand our being, and to express it to be loved as to love, to begin to be in the action of giving so that we truly can be in that river of loving and receive that which we long to receive. And it is in the action of pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in forgiving ourselves that we are forgiven. There's no one that we can go to in this world and no place in in spiritual creation that we can go for and ask to be forgiven and truly be forgiven. God doesn't have to forgive us because there's nothing to be forgiven. 
and in the world, you're never going to find the forgiveness that you're longing to have until you forgive yourself. The moment you forgive yourself, it's done. Until the next moment when you begin to judge yourself again. And so it's ever being in that action of giving and receiving, of pardoning and being pardoned. And that it is in dying, that little death daily, where we sit down, close our eyes, and do just what you're going to do at the moment of death, of this physical form, withdrawing the consciousness of the soul back here to the seat of the soul, and allowing it to collect itself fully here, and travel the realms of soul and spirit, waking up into the divine self, anchoring ourselves in those higher regions so that we truly live in that more than we live in this body. So that the day that does come where we take that last breath, we just wake up there and continue the life that we already know to be true. Die the little death daily, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. That's how we are born to eternal life right now and live the eternal life right now. We can either live in despair because we're going to die. Oh my God, I'm going to die. How am I going to die? Oh, I've got to do all these things before I die. Or we can live in the fulfillment right now of the eternal life. We can live in that essence of eternal knowing that we are loving, that we are soul, that we are a child of God. And yes, we know this physical form is going to die. We know that someday it's going to drop and never get up again. But there's something different that takes place in the knowing of that from the place of the eternal life. And that is as a rejoicing, knowing that that's the day of the fulfillment. That's the day where the soul has fulfilled itself in this body, in these lessons. And if we have done our job well, if we have done are loving well inside in our meditation and come awake to the eternal and are living in the eternal, we are just going to wake up there and not ever have to come back into this creation again unless God so deems it. So I would invite you to get that prayer. You can just go online and just enter St. Francis Prayer and it will come up. And begin to read it daily. But read it from a different place. Read it being aware that this is about your own true essence of you waking up, of you living the eternal life right now. Not about being the instrument of peace in the world, but about you being the instrument of peace for yourself. And how do you do that? It's meditate. It's how do you do that? holding your attention in, in loving with God, of giving that you might receive, giving love to God that you can receive the loving of God. When you're in that river of loving, you can handle things differently down here than you might have otherwise. And then you can be a little bit more gentle and forgiving with yourself. Okay. I guess that's it for the day. I wanted to share. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Feed the ego. Go ahead, feed it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do want to share one thing, and that was um, uh, to let you know that Blaine Slattery, uh, the gentleman who has been amputations and all had three major heart attacks last night, and is at St. David South in intensive care right now. So if you'll just hold him in loving and hold his son, Blaine Jr., in the light and uh, in all. I'm going to go over right after we finish up here and kind of catch up with Blaine Jr. and see how his father's doing and see if I can go in to visit and, and just see where everything's at. And uh, so just be aware of that. And If you're on the south side, I'm sure he's going to be there for a while. You can stop by and at least you know, check in with the nurses or whatever, or give a call. But um, I don't think he'll be able to have visitors for a while from what I hear, I'm understanding, so, except for the immediate family. So just to, let, to give you that information. I have no idea of his condition just yet. I'll let you know. I called and they said he was stable. 
Okay. So Laura called and said she did find out that he's stable, so that's good. Okay. All right. Well, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. <laughs> happy and Happy Easter. Happy oh, is it your birthday? Oh. <laughs> Boy, when we're young, we can't wait to get older. When we're older, we can't wait to be younger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.